think it's it's an extremely human, normal experience to feel spiritual apathy, to feel stuck, you know. You know, it's just a great reminder that you're not weird and you're not the only one. That it's actually a very normative uh, part of our relationship with the Lord to go through ebbs and flows. Hi everyone, I'm Annika, and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. So glad you're here. If you've ever felt like you were in a true place of just spiritual apathy, good news, you weren't alone. Or maybe if that's you right now, you're not alone. Now, let me ask you this question. Are you a personality profile kind of person? A lot of people are, whether it's the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or the DISC, we're also quick to really box ourselves into an identity. But have you ever thought about how that might be impacting or um, affecting how you experience or maybe fail to experience God? I hadn't until this conversation with Aaron. Aaron Williams is joining us on the podcast this week. Um, Aaron's a worship leader. He's a writer. He's the co-founder of um, Dwell Ministries, and he has just co-authored a book all around the idea of relating to God with our whole self. So you'll hear all about his latest book and so much more on this topic. Take a listen. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. What a treat. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So excited for, uh, well, one, to meet you and then to get to have a conversation today. So pumped for it. Awesome. Well, tell tell our listeners and, and tell us just a little bit about what you're up to these days, a little bit about your story, and and then we'll talk about all the amazing things you're up to. Yeah, what am I up to? It, it seems like this season that we're in is kind of a conglomeration of uh, a lot of years of hopes and dreams and hard work and trials and failures. Um, by day, uh, my longest, like what I've been vocationally for the longest amount of time is a worship leader and a songwriter. So that's what most people would know me as. I've been doing that since college and uh, was uh, grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, been on staff at a church there for over a decade, Fellowship Bible Church. And um right before the pandemic started feeling uh, this like restlessness, felt like the Lord was doing a new thing. We, uh, a week before the pandemic, we launched out into and launched a new uh, nonprofit called Dwell that was based out of this uh, conference that we were doing at our, at our church that was like gathering so much momentum. And we were so pumped about it. We had all these plans of, you know, scaling it. And then the week after we made that huge transition, uh, the pandemic hit and we were like, well, we're an event-based nonprofit now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so like so many people did, um, we had dreams and even this content that is now the book that we just released that we thought, you know, we can't do an event. Um, We we were going to do this like a year down the road. Let's just pray about pursuing writing this book. And um, the book is essentially the core of uh, material that we had been working on for four or five years, discipling people in our local context. And so we did that. We we found an agent who would represent us. We finally found a publisher. We started writing the book. And, and all along then, I had been releasing music and writing new songs. And all of it kind of came to a head. And I got an invitation from Shane and Shane and the Worship Initiative. Um, 
to move here down to Dallas and essentially to do the same things I had been doing to write songs, to write books, um, but to also be a part of, of building the worship initiative. And so we moved uh, a year and a half ago in our new Texans, uh, which has been Welcome. great. Thank you. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of like I do a number of things, but they're all kind of centered around worship and around spiritual formation, which are huge themes in the book that we wrote. And so I think they're also applicable really broadly to, to anyone who would be listening. So excited to share that. And thanks for asking. Oh, I love just hearing the story of your willingness to pivot. I think that's just such a gift to be able to say, okay, this was the direction I was heading, but uh, let's let's think about this a little bit differently and not necessarily giving up on a dream, but just creatively thinking about, okay, creatively, what could we do? How could we do this a little bit differently, but still step into where we're feeling led or the message we're hoping to, to share? I think that's fabulous. And also wonderful that y'all are in Texas now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're loving Texas. So you talked a little bit about what inspired you all to write the book. Um, why did you all feel then, which obviously still now, a few, you know, two, three years later into this, this topic or yeah. this was really placed on your heart? Like, why do you all feel like this is such a, a needed thing? Yeah, I think I think when it comes to uh well, one of the one of the first questions we ask in the book is have you ever felt spiritually dry? or stagnant, you know, have you ever had these moments where maybe even you feel like you're, you're doing a lot of the right things, like you're attending church or you're reading your Bible, you're going to a small group, maybe you're doing all of those and you still feel stuck spiritually. Um, we just kept encountering a growing number of people over the, over the last number of years who that was their story. Um, they had grown up in the church they still love the church. They love Jesus. But in their honest moments, they would say, um, I feel stuck and I feel like I, I can't find my way out. And just reading my Bible is not always the answer. Like, that's what people keep telling me to do. And as a worship leader, I kind of had this unique perspective because I'm standing up in front of hundreds or thousands of people in any given week. And I'm kind of watching this happen where, um, you know, this phenomenon and uh, so part of part of that is I think it's it's an extremely human normal experience to feel spiritual apathy, to feel stuck, you know. And mm. uh, one of the gifts I think the book is is if anyone listening who has felt that way, you know, it's just a great reminder that you're not weird and you're not the only one. That it's actually a very normative uh, part of our relationship with the Lord to go through ebbs and flows, and so. Um, the book is essentially with us. We started sitting down with people. Um, Catherine was leading women's ministry in our church. I was leading worship ministry. And we started essentially just like experimenting, but also doing a lot of research into why is it that people are feeling stuck and what we began to uncover um, without even really trying to was that a lot of it had to do with um, just feeling stuck in the same spiritual patterns and doing the same things and not opening up our full selves or our whole selves, as the book would talk about it, to who God is and learning to relate to him with more parts of who we are. And when we started doing that ourselves and with other people, um, we started experiencing just this tremendous amount of spiritual growth and um, wow. 
what God was doing around dwell, which was a conference that was kind of like trying to help people with this, um, in our church, it just like, it exploded in the sense of, uh, you know, not like tens of thousands of people, but exploded in the sense of the people who were there were experiencing a lot of spiritual awakening, renewal, um, just deepening in their relationship with the Lord. And so the more that that started happening, we thought maybe we're onto something. And it was kind of one of those things. It's not, it's not like we're onto it. It's kind of like we're already, we're discovering what God has already laid out for us uh, and said is truth. And we're just figuring out how to walk in it. Oh, I love that you just kind of normalized that place <laughs> that I think a lot of people are in. Yeah. And I love that you leaned into that. You all both said, okay, let's let's lean into this a little more. Let's let's ask some questions. And as you start to create these sacred places and spaces and conversations, how much growth came from that of saying, yeah. okay, I get it. You get it. We get it. Like, let's talk about this. And just to see how that all started and oh love it yeah thank you okay so the book tell us about the book yeah so the book's called whole w-h-o-l-e and the tagline is uh, the life changing power of relating to god with all of yourself and um the book the book walks through four different paradigms head and heart uh, spirit and truth being and doing and saint and sinner and essentially the the concept is these are these are all tensions that the biblical writers uh, are really happy managing the tension for instance like head and heart um but in our in our modern world we can tend to choose one or the other and say you know I'm I'm a truth person or I'm a thinker um or like my wife and I are polar opposites of this she she would say I'm a feeler and a test like Myers-Briggs would affirm that I'm a little bit more of a thinking person uh, in how I process things. And she's more of a, a feeler or an emotional person. And so uh, the the key that we're getting at is we actually need both in all of these areas. We must integrate them and hold them in the same way that the biblical authors do in our lives to learn to love God with our whole selves, which is really what the great commandment of loving God with heart, strength, and soul is about. And so it's really practical book. You know, we, we, we do a lot of self-diagnosis of why you lean this way, why you prefer these to uh, relating to God in these types of ways. But it's also challenging in the sense of, hey, just because this is your natural bent, the area for growth for you might actually be what's l less natural for you. So for me, uh, someone who's head leaning, you know, a thinking person actually learning how to relate to God and bring my emotions to him unlocked this whole uh, realm of who I am and in how I offer worship to him. And so being a thinking type person, if I'm not careful, I can relegate emotion to like the back closet, you know, and try to stuff it away. And I've had to learn over years. It's not happened quickly, but I've had to learn that I'm actually supposed to bring those my emotions mm. for the Lord and inform them with truth, not hide from them. And so that's just one practical example. Um, my wife is the complete opposite. She she lives in in her feelings naturally. She's had to uh, learn how to to incorporate spiritual disciplines that would be more natural for me, like waking up in the morning and reading and studying. 
uh, that's come less natural for her. But as she's done that, it's she's just seen a lot of growth in her life. And those are just two examples. Okay, this is fascinating to me because working in leadership for so many years, yeah, everybody loves to create their identity, right? Oh, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> you know, what are you on Myers-Briggs or what are you on the DISC assessment or the Enneagram? And we, exactly. we identify and we put this identity of who we are. And so that kind of becomes our our excuse or um, identity that we end up holding yeah. on to is this is how I perceive things, but I've never thought of it as the impact and influence that has on if that's how we are and how we approach everything, that's really how we're approaching our relationship with God. So this is fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, it's you're exactly right. And it's the same, it's the same exact way to our our relationship with God as with any other human being. And so you're right. We can we can almost like it it is a little bit of a disservice that we do ourselves when we take on this identity as this is who I am and this is not who I am. Um and uh, the book talks a lot about that. And I think I think the challenge that the scripture gives to all of us is when it comes to heart, mind, strength, and soul, um, which one of my favorite uh, scholars, he's like, if you had to narrow that down, it's your muchness. And what he means by that is mm. like, it's, it's all of who you are, every capacity from your intellect to your will, to your physical being, God is after worship from everything that you have. And so you can imagine based on what you just said, if I think if I, you know, presume I'm just a thinker and I'm not this, and this part of me is something that God's interested in me relating to him with, then I'm going to experience some pretty major roadblocks at some point in my uh, spiritual journey. And for a lot of people that happens um, when they go through a deep season of grief or mm. experience something out of, out of the blue, you know, that's, that's out of uh, the ordinary for them. And they don't know how to, you know, for, for a person experiencing grief, you have to learn how to bring your emotions before the Lord, either that, or you have to just close it off. And when you end up closing it off, um, for most people, it, you can kind of self-medicate for a while, but you know, I mean, we all know what happens when we do that. We end up in a really difficult place months or years down the road. And so this idea of, of wholeness is really about learning how to bring our whole selves, maybe especially the parts that were are less natural to us, uh, into our relationship. And when we do that, um, it almost always produces some sort of growth in our life. You mentioned a little bit about when people are experiencing perhaps, you know, grief or something that is totally out of the ordinary, of course, right? You're going to naturally gravitate to those things that come natural to you. And those are the times where I feel like you need God the most yep. and you're experiencing not the fullness of what he can give you in that time. Yep. And yeah. so just tapping into, oh, it's really like greater self-awareness using mm -hmm. all those things that we've looked at to say, who are we, what, uh, what personality type or, you know, Enneagram or where do we fall on it to really say, okay, if I am aware of how I naturally am, like what are some ways I can lean into these other pieces to really experiencing the, the wholeness of who I'm created to be, but also the fullness of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's, he's created us the way we are for a reason. And um, 
I feel like the more we learn how to, to bring our whole selves before him, which is way harder than it is just saying it, uh, the more abundant life. I mean, that's what Jesus said. I'm, I'm, I'm offering abundant life, but there are a lot of people in our current context who are kind of saying, Hey, this Christian life doesn't feel so abundant. And I just mm. wonder if at times it's because there's just more that's available to us. Uh, there's more in our relationship with the Lord, but we have to do the hard work of figuring out how to grow into that. So for someone who might be listening right now, that's just feeling maybe a little disconnected or discouraged, um, or also just a little in a season of dryness, kind of like you mentioned earlier in this conversation, like what is a piece of advice that you would share with them based off of just what you all have seen and heard and discovered along the way? Yeah, well, um, without plugging the plugging the book too much, I do think one of the benefits of the book is it's nuanced and it can help all of us find where we are. Um, so, you know, buying the book and reading it would be helpful. But uh, aside from that, I would say to someone, try to write down what you feel like your strengths are. Uh, for instance, that we can just keep coming back to head and heart. What are the normal normal ways that you typically would relate to God. And for many of us, that might be studying scripture, that might be, um, you know, attending a Bible study, uh, going to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then um, think about ways that are also biblical and scriptural that may be less normal for you and, and learn how to step into some of those. Here's a couple of, of examples just to make it real practical. I have found for many people we feel this kind of like checklist syndrome when we come to studying scripture and you wouldn't believe how much uh, freedom and growth it can, can produce in someone's life when they just decide I'm not going to go through a whole book of the Bible this month, or I'm not going to read through the Bible in a year. As good as that can be for someone, um, the growth step for some people can be, I'm going to find two or three passages that really speak to me and I'm going to meditate on them for long. It's like a uh, a quality over quantity mindset. That's good. And just that shift of I'm going to I'm going to sit with this one passage for longer than I normally do uh, can really help people. Or uh, for some people, it's like um, just learning how to go on a prayer walk and that counts as part of your quiet time, so to speak, you know, like um you know, if, if, if it's not, if you're not connecting with the Lord sitting in the same place, doing the same thing, it's like, there's, there's no rules. It up. <laughs> yeah. There's no rules that say, Hey, have you tried just like on a beautiful day, just going for a 30 minute walk and, uh, casting, so casting your cares on the Lord. Uh, even Psalm 62 says, pour out your heart before me because I'm a refuge. And again, this is kind of tapping into the emotion side of who we are. Um, Oftentimes, if we just keep on doing the same thing, we're going to get the same results. And it's like, maybe you just need to go for a walk and you need to tell God every single burden that's on your heart, everything that you're worried and concerned about, and you need to try to receive his love in a new way. Um, That little shift of doing something that's maybe less natural to you for a lot of people will just bring a, a new, fresh sense of life. And people will say, I didn't know that, like, I had permission to do that, you know, and it's amazing. 
it's funny because we we're like, well, there's no rules about that. Um, in fact, the psalmists say all the time, you know, it's like in the morning and the at noon and the in the watches of the night, I meditated on the word. And it's like we we get in our mind that quiet time has to look an exact way in the morning, and it it just doesn't. There's a lot of freedom to that. And so I would encourage people to just think a little bit outside the box and just think about things, ways that they um they could grow uh, that are less natural for them. Makes me think of, I'm kind of naturally an introvert, selectively extroverted. And I have a lot of similar friends who are selective extroverts as well. And I think in seasons where, you know, you feel a little isolated or you're feeling a little lonely, it's like you gravitate towards, I just need to be alone. It's like, no, you actually need to be in community with people. So. It's just like, okay, I'm going to schedule the lunch or we're going to go to this, you know, double date or whatever with our community group or whatever that might be. But it's like the opposite of what you think you need, because that's how you recharge as an introvert is sometimes you just need time alone. But in times where you're experiencing, you know, a little more challenge or difficulty or isolation, it's like, okay, you Mm got to think a little differently of not necessarily what you think you need, but what you actually need. You're exactly right. And that's a great, that's a great example. We, we talk about that a little bit in the chapter that's on being and doing, which I've also never heard the selector selective introvert, uh, (laughs) but I'm definitely in that category as well. I'm going to use that. Um, But yeah, it's like, okay, so if my propensity is to, to stay quiet home, quiet hours at, at, you know, with just my family or just me, Odds are that is a good thing for me to do often, but sometimes the growth step is like, I'll ask myself, when's the last time you just went and had a blast with your friends? And you wouldn't believe how, when, when you feel that way, when you, I mean, we all know that feeling when you go do that, you come home and you're like, that was just good for my soul. You soul, say, for sure. Like, soul food. <laughs> and And you're like, it is good for your soul. And you didn't, maybe we didn't even think about that as being quote spiritual, but it totally can be. And, um, and it, you know, it's like, I I think of those type things like hobbies, um, as ways that we delight in the Lord. And one of the questions we need to ask ourselves often is, am I, am I delighting enough? You know, cause we probably all lean a little bit too heavy on our, um, you know, our task list and our, our get or done type things. And it's like, Hey, if you love running, like, are you running very often? If you love cooking, like maybe, maybe for some people it's like carve out two hours and just cook one night and just remember that it's a gift from the Lord. Um, these type things can really like restore our soul. They can also help us, help us through these seasons that are difficult and that we feel stuck. Oh, that's such a good reminder. It's like kind of get out of our routine a little bit and ask yourself those questions. And mm-hmm. yeah, my my husband and I went on a marriage retreat last year and they had asked the question, when was the last time you had fun? And we looked at each other and we didn't know what to say. We could not remember the last time we really just went out and had a blast. Everything, yeah. you know, always is so planned and the things you have to do, you know, all the big rocks and then fill in all the other pieces. And so that's really just been our way to do things differently this year. And of course it's not every day, but just being mindful of allowing ourselves to delight, enjoy, like really joy filled things that we're not good at. Like we went and, you know, played pickleball. Like I don't, we don't play any, I've never played in our life. I think we watched some YouTube videos to figure it out and went and played it, but it was so much fun and just delighting in new experiences and knowing that 
that is also experiencing God, experiencing joy and being outside and being a beginner and learning and growing and spending time with your spouse. And so I, I love that you kind of speak to just getting out of our our uh, our norm a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you're right. It is, it is um, I think it's expanding our mind in what what is worship and what mm-hmm. what does it look like to relate to God of like your friends are, are a gift to you. Your husband and your family is a gift to you. Uh, pick pickleball can be a gift to you. And when we see it, when we see those things as a gift, especially the things that bring us life, um, one uh, songwriter that I remember, he he talks about it's like tracing the ray back to the sun. And I think as long anything in our anything in life that we enjoy, if we will trace it back That's to so good, to God as the origin we will find ourselves not feeling so empty and suddenly your heart will be like, I'm just kind of overflowing a little bit with gratitude here. And maybe all you did was go play pickleball, you know? Um, and it's because it's, it's, it's more than pickleball. It's delighting in the Lord and worshiping him. So, yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. I want to touch on um, something that y'all talk about in the book. Cause I think that this is a really important topic to talk about is a little bit about this idea between balance and transformation. And I think for a lot of us, right. Y'all talk about like, you don't want to be 50%, 50% and, and yeah, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I think we're all trying to find this balance in our lives rather than this transformation in our lives. And so shed some light on that for us. Yeah. And this is, this is a good one. I feel like this is, um, this is a little bit of a hot take, if you will, in the sense of balance, balance can be a really good thing. So I want to say that from the, you know, there are, there are, there's a lot of wisdom in having appropriate balances in our life. In the book, what we're talking about is specifically when it comes to spirit and truth. Uh, We talk about this a lot in that chapter. Uh, Jesus says in John four, those who are true worshipers, those who the father's looking for will worship me quote in the spirit and in truth. And we talk about how oftentimes when it comes to our spiritual lives, we're we're like trying to balance, you know, oh, do, do I have enough truth, you know, or that was a, a heavy truth day, or even churches will talk about this, you know, like, man, we were kind of heavy on the truth that day, you know, we need to balance it with uh, some some spiritual things or with grace or whatever. And I think uh, the invitation, I remember a friend of ours said, um, I'm not sure that what Jesus is after is balance, but fullness. And when Mm. he said that, I really thought, okay, like, what's he, what's he getting at here? And he's saying in this example, um, you need, you, you need all the truth in your life that you could possibly get. Um, I know I certainly do. Like, so when it comes to seeking uh, God, like in my mind or in, in truth, it's like, I'm not trying to ever pull back and be like, I've, I've got enough truth. Like I want all the truth I can get. I need all the truth I can get. And then the same thing over here, like when it comes to the spirit, you know, the Holy spirit indwelling us, leading us, guiding us. Jesus said in John 14, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to send the helper and the helper is going to guide you into truth. He's going to remind you of what I said. Um, It's like, I don't just need a little bit of that either. I need as much of the Holy Spirit sure. and help as I can. And so part of what we begin to realize is when we're just trying to balance it, um, we end up only getting a portion of, of both sides. 
when um, I almost feel like the Lord's looking at us going like, you don't have to balance it. Like you can have all the truth that you want. It's I'm, I'm the God of abundance. Like you can have as much of me as you want um, in all of these areas. And I think what that, what that unlocked for me and has for a lot of people is this kind of, you know, in my mind, in the back of my mind, I've almost got like this uh, seesaw where I'm constantly trying to balance everything in my life. And just, just the thought of trying to balance everything is, is exhausting. <laughs> you ever feel that? Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's, it's instead of trying to balance it, it's like, why don't you just, why don't you just have as much of it as you was, as you would like? And um, so that that concept, I think, can really be helpful, maybe particularly for people who feel like they're kind of caught, you know, on this uh, proverbial seesaw trying to balance everything in their life. It's like Jesus is inviting you to have as much of him in your life as you would want. And you don't there's really no reason to cap it off. There's really no reason to have to, you know, you know, try to balance them in the way that we do. Is that making sense? Is that helpful? Totally. Totally. I love cooking. I'm like thinking of it as like a recipe. There's not yeah. like the perfect recipe every time. It's like, just enjoy it. <laughs> you don't totally. have to think about every single portion and how much of each. It's like, just enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's a gift. Um, it's a gift. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, sometimes when it comes to that chapter on spirit and truth, we we do talk a lot about different types of churches, you know, and what church did you grow up in? You know, I grew up in a, a small Baptist church, a Bible teaching church. Um, I didn't, I wasn't ever taught anything incorrect about the Holy Spirit. It's just like, I wasn't taught anything. Um, my wife grew up in a completely different church. She grew up in a charismatic word of faith church um, where everything was experiential. Everything was like mm. um, much more driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're kind of on these polar opposites. And you can imagine what our premarital counseling was like. Yeah. We come together talking about things of faith. But when you're thinking about that, you know, you we would get in these conversations where it's like, you know, is it truth or is it spirit? Is it word? Is it spirit? And and we just begin to realize like we're we're trying to divide and parse out something that are both God's gifts to us. Um, and he's like, I've given you the helper. So why don't you just let the helper help you as much as he can? And I've given you the word for you to learn and to study. And why don't you just take as much of that as you can? And it, it really helped us just feel like, man, we don't have to, um, even in how we're discipling our kids, you know, like trying to, trying to teach them. It's like, we just want them to have as much of the scriptures as they, as their little brains can take in. And we want to teach them, especially as they get older, what it's like for the Holy Spirit to lead in their life as much as they can. And thankfully, you know, like at the story I started with, they're seeing us try to model that, albeit yeah. imperfectly, you know, with these moves in our life and things like that. And so I think it can be really practical of like, you know, not having to balance it and just realizing God's generous and we can have as much of those things as we want. It's interesting that you can have both freedom in that place and transformation in that place. Yeah. I don't know, they just don't seem like they would go together to be have freedom and transformation. So I, I, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Okay. So you've shared a lot of very practical tips. Um, is there anything else that you can think of for someone that may just feel like, okay, where do I start? <laughs> Where's a good starting place to just 
think about this a little bit differently, or maybe if they're feeling really good right now with, with where they, they are, like how to just make it one step deeper, one degree more, more rich. Yeah. I would say, um, I would say consider, consider um, making friends or reaching out to someone that when you look at their spiritual life, um, you think to yourself, wow, they, they look like they're really growing or healthy. um, And they also are different than I am. Because I think one of the things we are realizing in this conversation, uh, just like I mentioned with my wife and I coming from different places is God's kingdom and his people are so rich and broad that um, different people relate. We all relate to God a little bit differently and our stories are a little bit different. And, you know, an example of this for me would be uh, I saw this older gentleman in my church who had been an elder for like 20 something years. And I just thought to myself, he's got something that when I'm his age, I, I wish I could have. And, um, and I reached out to him just to connect and to have coffee. And as he told me his story, uh, we were actually very similar. And he was like, Aaron, for 40 years, um, my relationship with the Lord, although it was healthy in, in many ways, was utilitarian in that I lived kind of under this mindset that I did these things to get this thing. And he was like, it wasn't until I was in my 60s that I actually realized I already had God's favor. And he said, you know what switched? He was like, I I learned to just sit in God's presence in the mornings with no agenda. Wow. <laughs> And I'm like, what? And 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 he's like, yeah. He's like, I still read the Bible and pray like I always do, but I just start by sitting. Uh, you know, he's like, I sit by this window in my, in the chair, and I just sit there and enjoy God's presence with no agenda for a few minutes. And um, that would that's just like one practical example of someone who's a little different than I am. That I saw something in their life, I reached out, and I just had a conversation with them with him. You just never know what other people in your church community or, you know, one of your neighbors down the road, like if we take take time to have these conversations, um, we can, I, I believe there's a lot that we still have left to unlock in how we relate to the Lord. And I think our brothers and sisters in Christ are are going to help us, you know, we're not, we're not going to find it all out on our own. And so that's been one of the most um enriching things in my life, like activities in my life over the last two or three years would be learning from people different than I am. That's really good and practical, like something that we can all go do of just think about who can I go have coffee with, lunch with, invite over for dinner, just yeah. take a little extra time or walk in the neighborhood to stop in front of their house and have a conversation and see where it goes yeah. and learn something new. And, and again, just like you said earlier, our propensity is to hang out with people that are like us. Um, that's oftentimes most natural. It's easiest. And yet, um, just like we've talked about in this whole conversation, I found that sometimes hanging out with people that are that are quite a bit different than me is one of the most uh, challenging, but also like growth oriented things that I can do um, just as a follower of Jesus. That's really, really good. Well, thank you for sharing so much about 
um, your story and the journey and what you're up to and the book. Um, I would love for you to share, and I'll be sure to put all of this in the show notes and um, where people can follow along your work and Catherine's work and just anything else that you um, want to share so that listeners can follow along. Yeah, absolutely. You can find any information about the book at readhole.com. That's where uh, anyone who's carrying the book, lots of information, kind of extra things around the book are. Um, Instagram would be a great place to follow with what I'm doing. It's just at Aaron W Music. Um, that's for any of the music I'm releasing and also book things. Um, I'm trying to remember Catherine's Instagram off the top of my head. Um, I'll put it in there. Put it in there. Yes. <laughs> but that would be amazing. Thank you guys so much. I hope this is helpful for anyone listening. Oh, thanks so much, Aaron, for joining us. Such a treat. Appreciate your time and all that you guys are doing. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Aaron. Before I leave you with today's truths and takeaways, just want to encourage you, if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to do so. I would not want you to miss out on some of the incredible conversations still to come in this season. And if you listen on Apple Podcast, it would mean so much for you to just scroll down to the bottom of the show. You'll see some stars there you can tap on. Right below it, you can take a quick 10 seconds to leave a review. Either one of those or both those means so much. Um, that's what helps this conversation and conversations like these to continue to get shared. So I will leave you now with today's truths and takeaways. Number one, it's a normal experience to feel spiritual apathy. Number two, think about your personality profile a little different today. How might that be impacting the way you're experiencing or maybe not experiencing or relating to God? Number three, think about one way you can grow that's a little outside the box for you. Number four, who is one person you can meet up with or spend some time with that isn't just like you and yet has a lot that you can learn from? As Aaron says, you never know what you have left to unlock. Learn from people different than you are. Number five, you need all the truth in your life you can possibly get. And the good news is you can have all the truth that you want. You have a God of abundance. Just love that Aaron shared that in this conversation. Number six, ask yourself, are you delighting enough? If not, ask yourself why not? Perhaps there's some reprioritizing and greater joy for you on the horizon. And lastly, number seven, trace the ray back to the sun. Until next time.